And good morning. Welcome to the Pulse WV Live, a network that beats to the heart of God. I'm your host, John Fowler. So glad to have you tuned in for this um, John Tuesday. John Show. Yes, the Tuesday edition. Hey, how you it's, doing? Uh, it's absolutely awesome and glad to have you tuned in. John Sandy in the house today. Who's in the house? I think you need to move over. Let's see. I think you're. Am I need to go to my right? No, the, no, other, the way. other way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There you go. And uh, your water bottles in the way. Hold that water bottle. Yeah, one. Look, okay. I mean, it's like I said. Why? Why would you bother? Yeah. Why would you that's, bother that's, that's, with just such a small? That's one swig. Well, yeah, it's a, just about one swig, definitely for sure. But we're <laughs> glad to have you tuned in, John. I need you to start talking about your sermon on Sunday, Do that just first. for a few minutes, because I have a phone call that I need to take. Yeah, that too. And just, so you'd if, have to post an order, I think. Yeah. So if you'll. Uh, if you'll um, wow, where do I begin? Ooh, well, man. yeah, just uh, just a few minutes about it. You did yeah. a great job on it, and it was awesome. And I just thought before you got into uh, part nine of your your series mm-hmm. that you would just talk a little bit about yourself. I'll be glad to do that. I'll start just somewhere. I'll just pick my finger, go in circles, and point it down. How about that? Uh, yeah, I uh, had a, the privilege of filling in for you Sunday morning uh, a couple of days ago. And I spoke on Out of the Boat, Into God's Will. And I'm telling you what, folks, if you get a chance to check that out, if you get a chance to go to either my podcast, Growing With God, or uh, go back to the Pulse Gasaway at the, their sermons and things to look at on Sunday morning, God just really helped them. I was really grateful. A lot of, lot of really, really interesting thoughts about that whole scripture uh, well, what scripture? I started out with Romans twelve two, and I'll go ahead and read that right now. Out of the boat into God's will, um, from the natural to the supernatural. And that's what this was all about. We spoke about being in the boat, how some people live in the boat. They never get out of the boat. In other words, they never step into the supernatural. We talked about how there were three levels of heaven. You got your earthly realm of heaven and sky. You've got demonic heavens. The Bible talks about that. And you have heaven that where Jesus, um, the Father dwells, that we are going someday. So there are three levels. And we need to operate in the spiritual level. That's why he says, "Don't re- you don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities." And it goes on to say, "Because we are uh, our battles in heavenly realms." If you remember, Jacob wrestled with the angel, and different things that happen. Sometimes it appears that prayers are held up. There's times whenever you pray for something and it's delayed, and you wonder why. Then you find out the person God dealt with didn't respond. And they were told, and then they got the word when you started praying. A lot of things like that. But let's take a look at Romans 12, 2, just real quickly as we open this up. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing, get that word, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable, and you're ready for this, and perfect. Hmm, perfect. So, I want to ask you a question. Do you have a first testimony, or do you just, or do you just have a history lesson to give someone? I've known people to give a testimony, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. What God's done is eternal. It's awesome. It's always good to review. But if all you have is something that happened 15 to 30 years ago, yeah, that's called staying in the boat. Are you doing more giving than receiving? Do you spend more time with God or the TV? I realize there's good things on TV, clean and decent things, and I love them. But uh, balance your life out 
Um, we must be able to operate in the spiritual realm before we can manifest in the natural like that. We must be able to operate in the spiritual before we can manifest in the physical. Before the quieting of the storm by Jesus in the boat, he gave the, the parables, uh, gave 10 parables in one day concerning the word. And this was before the situation in the boat. Now, I give two references to the boat because there are two different instances where Jesus did something supernatural that through the disciples, they'd seen him perform miracles. They had seen him uh, multiply the loaves. They had seen him change the water to wine. And now he was talking to the storms. So what kind of manner of man is this? And so he had to just work with him. He, he, he knew what he had to work with. He was a lot like you and I before we found Christ, just hardened hearts that uh, were not in tune with God. And, of course, when you get saved, that's a supernatural act. Okay, that's your first supernatural act. After that, we become acquainted with Jesus like in Psalm 91, and we learn all the wonderful things about how we need to dwell within his wings and how he protects us and all the wonderful promises. You can stay in the boat in the natural, or you can simply operate in the flesh, the five senses, or you can operate in the spiritual. Everyone in whom our life touches are being offered things which are eternal. Folks, that's what the supernatural is. When God uses us, it is eternal. That means it's in the supernatural. When he said that he would, you would do greater things than him, and when I asked the, the Sunday morning, John, I asked them, when did the disciples change? When did they change? Automatically, answer was during Pentecost. That was a supernatural dwelling with God. The tongues of fire, the speaking in tongues, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, they were radically changed. Peter ran when God, Jesus was taken to, by the guards. First, he chopped off the ear of a servant, and Jesus healed him right there. That should tell you something about loving your enemies. Folks, Jesus was an example to everything he's asked us to do. Amen. First of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the scriptures deal with his first experience in the boat. And I, I drew from Mark 4, 35 through 41, talking about how Jesus stilled the storm. Uh, he went to sleep on the boat. The Bible tells us the water was in the boat. The water was slushing around, and yet he was asleep. Now, Jesus was exhausted after ministering to the, the multitudes. He was exhausted. And after they released the multitudes, they got in the boat, and the storm hit. The boat was filled with water. They thought they were going to die. And one of the things they said to Jesus quite interesting was, Jesus, don't you care about what happens to us? And I thought, boy, is that not an example of the church today, how we whine when we don't understand how God's working? Well, first of all, God is working. God's speaking to you and me. He is working things out. He wants you to have the best. He, he provided everything you will ever need when you got saved. But we have to enter into his rest. Where is Jesus resting? In spiritual realms. That is where Jesus finds his rest. That's where he finds his joy. When you get saved in your spirit, you have all the fruits of the spirit. And you are capable, I believe, you are capable of operating in any one of the nine gifts um, if needed, whenever you need it. I know a man of God that has seen five people raised from the dead, and he says he does not have the gift of healing. Folks, the, we are all called to lay hands on the sick. These signs shall follow those that believe. So we began talking about how he did that. And then, of course, the second storm was whenever he 
sent them out first into the Sea of Galilee, and he stayed behind and prayed into what was called the fourth watch. Now, the fourth watch, we talked about that. There were different things that God did during the fourth watch. That's, generally speaking, in Roman watch time, 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., generally speaking. Now, there's two things Jesus did when he came out to them. They were distressed. They were alone in the boat. A storm hit, and Jesus went. It says the Bible says Jesus went out to them. And yet when he got to the boat, it says Jesus walked past them. I believe Jesus was waiting for someone to say, Jesus, can I come to you? Can I follow you? Whether it's storms, water, uh, valleys, mountains, whatever it is, Jesus, can I come to you? And Peter did. Don't be too hard on Peter. He did sink, <laughs> but, folks, he did walk on water. I haven't. How about you? So give Peter some credit there. Not only that, it says he began to sink. Now, folks, when I jump in the water, I'm like a rock. I go down. Jesus, the Bible says Peter began to sink. That means he slowly went under. That's in itself a miracle. Folks, you got to walk on it before you can slowly sink. Okay? <laughs> so he is in the second situation. He pulls Peter up by the arm. And, of course, with the storm and all the ways, you could lose someone real quick. But he began to sink, so Jesus knew and had time to grab him because of that. So they get back in the boat and they're thinking, who in one case it was like, who is this? Who is this? The second case is like, this is a ghost. And and finally, Jesus, you know, he, he said, be of good cheer. He wasn't harsh with them. Although I do think at times that I would think that when Jesus is looking at them and they said, You truly are the Son of God, you know, and he's looking at them going, You think? I mean, look at all they saw Jesus do. And yet they were fearful, and once they, he got back in the boat, and the Bible says the second time when he got back in the boat, the winds ceased. And my analogy of that is the first time Jesus rebuked the wind, now he spoke to the sea, and he spoke to the wind. Folks, you need to learn to speak to your mountains. But Jesus spoke specifically to one and then the other. So you need to learn to speak to your mountains, but you must operate in the spiritual realm to do that. And that's where Jesus wants you to dwell with him is in spiritual realms. So you can do things that are supernatural. And that's what spiritual realms are, where the supernatural is. And so he's working with these guys. He's trying to help them to see. And, of course, eventually they did. But it was Pentecost that really radically changed their life. And we all need a Pentecost experience, folks. When you get saved, you have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. But at the same time, you need to learn to dwell there. Because that is where the spirit flows in the supernatural. And by faith, faith is the bridge that takes your supernatural into the body. Now, here's an interesting point. The Bible tells us that the devil operates in spiritual realms, but he also operates on the earth, it says. See, Satan is already doing what we're called to do. He's operating in spiritual realms, but he manifests it on earth. Now, how are we going to counter that? We must also operate in our spiritual realms to manifest in the physical. When Peter picked up the man that was lame, that was a creative miracle. He could not even walk. So he did a supernatural work, but he didn't even pray. He said, silver and gold have I none. You know the scripture. But such as I have, what is he talking about? The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. I give unto you in the name of Jesus walk. And I mentioned that there were three specific areas that um, that Jesus uh, needs to happen in order for him to operate like that. And one of them is he must go to the Father 
Uh, the Father must recognize him, and we must speak in his name. So we need to understand the authority God has given us, but we can't unless we operate. Now, how do you operate in spiritual realms? We didn't get into this as much, but let's talk about that just for a moment. How do you operate in spiritual realms? Well, you got to deny yourself. As the Bible says, take up your cross and follow him. You've got to seek his face, the Bible says. You must turn from your wicked ways. You must take every thought captive. And as you begin to do these things, and there are others, as you begin to do these things, you will see that you are now learning of the nature of Christ and how he was able to do what he did and how the Father wants to help you, that he's there to help you. God isn't denying you physical healing when you don't see it. God isn't denying you prosperity, but if you operate in spiritual realms, then you will begin, you ready? You will begin to see before you can see. Now, the only way you can see something before you can see it is to understand spiritual realms. You need to operate by faith. What does that mean? You need to operate in seeing before it happens. And what that'll do, that'll change your whole attitude. Instead of, if you heard someone pray, it's like you feel like they're just wringing their hands while they're praying. That's not faith, folks. That's called worry. That's called doubt and unbelief. So as we begin to know know God in spiritual realms, as we begin to know Jesus in spiritual realms, yes, we know the Bible. We can quote Scripture. We know the stories, and they're all awesome. But when you begin to know Jesus in the spiritual realms, not just in the physical world he dwelled in for those 33 years, but when you begin to understand him in the spiritual realms, then you begin to know a Jesus in a deeper, more personal, intimate way. And that is when you commune with him. That's when you become one-on-one with him, and then all things are possible. You must remember that these 12 disciples, these underlings, they were fresh off the boat, folks. Fresh off the banana boat. They they were uneducated. Jesus had to take them and empty them and fill them. You can't fill a vessel unless it's empty. If you put new wine in old wineskins, what do you do? The wineskins bust, and you lose the wine and the wineskins. It's a total loss. You've got to put new wine and new wine skins. And, of course, talking about us as vessels. We need to be totally dedicated to him. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk. And, folks, pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit if you're saved. Pray for the gift of tongues. God will pray through you through that prayer language. So this is so important. We talked about these things. Man, there were so many awesome things that we reviewed and talked about. Um and I asked, the, I asked the folks Sunday morning, are you a half and half Christian? Are you half in and half out? That's called lukewarm. Same thing. You need to be instant in season and out. The Bible tells us that we'll travel through seasons. And there's a good part of that. There are, there are some rough seasons out there. Aren't you thankful that they are only seasons? One of the greatest women of God I've ever met, maybe, that I've ever met personally, told me that she got great encouragement when she got the revelation that um, we go through seasons, which means they have an end to them. Each of us need to mature to the place where we are more consistent and balanced in having our ability to hear God's voice. John 10, 27 says, also tells us that he knows us and those 
who hear him will follow him like the smaller boats did. And I didn't go over that just a moment ago, but in the scripture, as Jesus went out in the boat with them, it says the smaller boats follow. They'll, they'll follow you too, folks, if they know Jesus is with you. Because Jesus has the answer, and through you, you can have the answer. There's a difference between hearing and listening. If you hear, then Jesus is going to require you to respond. I remember uh, traveling with James Ashworth, a godly man. I would sing for him, and we'd go uh, to these meetings, sometimes a tent revival or in the church. And in our background, a lot of times the ministers would take a list of songs for the singers in the church, and they would pray over them which was wonderful, and they would say, John or someone, I need. Uh, would you sing number three on your list? So I thought maybe he might want me to do the same thing, right? So I asked him about this. He looked at me very calmly and said, John, Jesus can tell you. He was a complete rest. He didn't wring his hands, oh, do I have the right sermon today? Oh, Jesus, are you going to help us? He had rest, and he trusted God to tell me. And that, that taught me something that I, too, can hear from God. Folks, it's not good enough for you to believe something because someone told you or you heard in a sermon. That's not good enough. You need to start hearing God's voice, and that's part of getting out of the boat, folks, is you need to hear God's voice on your own, okay? You need to get to the place where you actually hear from Him. Why is that vital? Because there's going to come a time, folks, when you are going to be in a place where you need just to say, don't say that. Or just say, go over there. I want you to talk to this person and guide you by the Holy Spirit. If you or I are just half in and half out, then more half in and half out of the boat. And what happened to Peter when he did that? He saw the waves instead of Jesus, and he started to sink. If we are not connected to the Spirit in us that the Lord gives us at salvation, then we will not be able to withstand or overcome the waves of life that are in our boat. Folks, I know that most people, including a lot of church people, they spend their whole life on the boat. They never live in the supernatural. They are tossed and swayed by everything that comes along. And I must admit, you really need to spend a lot of time with him to get deep with him to not be thrown by these ways because they can be pretty uh, dramatic at times. Jesus, in the second instances, and that's the order that they came, he first uh, uh, spoke to the winds, and then the second instance was when he walked on the water. And that's in Matthew 14, 22 through 35, if you're interested. And there's two interesting points about him walking on the water. The, uh, the common understanding is that when Jesus did this, he walked across the widest portion of Galilee. And then he did it on the fourth watch. What are some of the examples that, that God did during the third, fourth watch, 3 to 6 a.m.? Let me give you a few examples. Jacob wrestling with God that he met face-to-face just before entering into his destiny as Israel, which was Jacob's new name. Moses taking the Israelites across the Dead Sea. Gideon defeating the Midianites. And, of course, as we mentioned, Peter and Jesus walking on water. Now, folks, I bring this up for several reasons. One of them, <clears throat> excuse me, one of them is because how many times have you heard someone say, I, I woke up at 3 a.m.? I don't know why, I just woke up. Well, you might want to consider that Jesus wants you to pray. There's a lot of battles that take place during those hour times. 
So there is a significance to God using that time at night to accomplish these wonderful miracles and also for you as well. So take heed. If you find yourself waking up during those times, you might want to take a little bit of time to pray before going back to sleep. They uh, they referenced Jesus as being a ghost. They said, who is this? Uh, they were all over the map. And when they saw him do these things, then they marveled. Here's something interesting that Peter said to Jesus when he went out on the water. He said, Lord, if it is you. Now, he said, Lord. And then he said, if it is you. Sounds really confusing, doesn't it? I think, or I should say me thinks, that he wanted so much for it to be Jesus. Lord, if it be you. He said, command me to come. And he said, come. Simple word, come. And Peter walked on the water. Is that awesome? What what an experience that must have been for Peter. If any of you have ever seen the movie The Shack, there is a scene that is absolutely delightful where this gentleman uh, meets up with Jesus and they run across the lake together. (laughs) I think that is so awesome. So I want to let you know also that during those two scenes in the Bible, it tells us that the waves were contrary and the other time boisterous. Nature will come against you, folks. It will. Now, I'm not saying this to be flippant at all. I'd be out running sometimes, and it's like a storm is brewing up. I didn't see it coming. And I look at my phone, it's like a great percentage of rain and thunderstorms, and I hear thunder. Folks, there's been times, and I'm nobody, there's been times when I would rebuke that while I'm running. I said, Lord, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus while I run to finish my run before I get home. And folks, I'm telling you, I'm here one particular instance, it didn't look good at all, and it didn't rain. So I want you to know that you have favor with God if you dwell with him. You're not going to find favor. Listen, God's only going to give you responsibilities he knows he can trust you with. If you remember when Abraham took Isaac up to the mountain to um, sacrifice him to the Lord, Right before he did it, the angel came into the scene. The ram was found in the thicket, and the angel told him, you know, not to do it. He didn't have to do it. The word says, the angel said, now I know. God is watching for you and me to see, are we going to do the will of God or not? And I can just hear God constantly saying to each one of us, almost on a daily basis, now I know. Is it a good now I know? Is it a bad now I know? Is God going to be pleased that you heard and responded? Folks, it's not always going to be convenient. It's not always going to be easy. You're going to have to resist the flesh at times. There's times when you're going to need to fast. There's times when you need to spend time with him because God has called you to him for a specific time to fellowship. And folks, don't forget when you pray, spend some time listening. Don't do all the talking. If you're with people and you do all the talking, after a while, they're going to find another friend. All ye of little faith is what Jesus said to them the second time. All ye of little faith. And you know what? When you send a text, we always have to be careful, right? Because they don't know our voice inflection. Well, we don't also hear, but I just think, as I mentioned earlier, there's just times, you know, there was one time Jesus said, how long do I have to be with you? I have a feeling that was one of you... um, of course, uh, killed the, um, uh, the the tree, 
and they saw the next day that it was dead. And he said, how long do I have to be with you? I have a feeling it was like, guys, come on. Are you serious? How long is it going to take? I can just imagine using that tone of voice. We are to strive for pure faith and get rid of unbelief the best we can. Jesus has made it very clear. You don't need a lot of faith to move a mountain. It's not a great deal of faith. You don't have to have what we call a lot, a big faith. You need to have a pure faith. That means less and less and less unbelief. So we submit ourselves to the name of Jesus because this is what it comes down to. When Peter uh, healed the man at the gate, he said, in Jesus' name. You know what? You need to live such a life in the spiritual realms that the devil knows when you get up in the morning because he knows. Don't be like these the Scrivo brothers that were beaten up and ran away naked because they the demons said, we know who Paul is, we know who Jesus is, but who are you? Folks, we need to be equipped so the devil knows who you are. Now, I know we think about, we think about Job at that time, right? Where he said, do you know my servant Job? And we're going, now, Lord, I don't, don't, don't remind him, you know, let's not, let's not push this thing. But we do. We need to be known by the devil, not just know him. So think about that. So they said, truly, you are the son of God. And this was not the only time the devil, the, the, the uh, disciples had a V8 moment. Those of you that are old enough to remember those commercials, the V8 juice, wow, I could have had a V8 these disciples, they had a lot of experiences. You know, Peter, if you don't think the devil goes to church, he was at the Last Supper. Okay, that should tell us a lot right there. First, Peter did something that was profound, that Jesus said, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, Peter. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. And then he turns right around and rebukes Satan by looking at him. <clears throat> now, folks, Peter didn't have a demon. We see a demon in every donut. I mean, here we turn around. That's a demon in that thing. That's a demon. Well, it may be demonic, and it may be an oppression, not a possession. It may be an attack or a, a getting in where you were. Peter meant good. He didn't want anything to happen to Jesus. No, Lord, that won't happen to you. Jesus knew he had to go there. So he rebuked the devil. You're not going to do this. But the devil is talking through Peter to try to accomplish. Don't let the devil talk through you. Let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. Folks, watch your words. There's life and death in your words. I could just imagine just looking at these disciples in frustration, can't you? In both instances, they did not know who who he was. Like I said, in one they said, who can this be? And the other one said, this is a ghost. Is it a ghost in a question form? Um, Jesus had been with them three years, and performed over 40 miracles. They saw a lot. But on the day of Pentecost is when Peter and the rest of them really changed. Folks, they didn't have a group pass to heaven. Just because you're in a boat with Jesus doesn't, doesn't make you a Christian. Okay? They had to come in one at a time. And, of course, our example there was Judas. I do not believe Judas had to hang himself or die. I believe he'd come to Jesus God, Jesus would have hugged him, taken him in. He may have turned over the money to someone else, <laughs> but I believe that he would have loved him right back into the kingdom. So be encouraged. Jesus loves you. If you mess up, dust off your shoes, repent, get up, and start again. Could it be that all of Jesus' great works were for others, 
when this happened to them. See, they were excited. They were amazed at the works he did and maybe a little fearful. But where the fear really came in with the disciples is whenever it affected them. Now their lives were in danger in both instances in the boat. And therefore fear took over. Peter had to keep his eyes on Jesus, not the sink. So do we folks. It's no different. So I pray that uh, that what I've shared concerning that may encourage you a little bit. Um, we folks, there there is a, a, a such a need in a church for us to get off milk. There is such a need in the church for us to grow, folks. If you don't have a fresh testimony almost every day, it could be a little thing, folks. I'm not talking about moving waters every day or walking on them. I'm talking about where you sense God helping you and showed you something you need to do. Maybe it was a kind word. Maybe it was paying someone's bill. Maybe it was giving someone your parking space. It could be a multiple, multiple things, many, many, many things. But do you sense him using you? Do you sense his presence? Does he teach you new things through the same verse you've heard over and over again? Do you find yourself wanting to spend more time with him? These are just a few questions we need to ask ourselves because, folks, the church is the reason why the world's in the shape it's in. Oh, we can blame our president. We can blame all kinds of things. And they are participants and they are being used. Just like Satan tried to use Peter that day at the Last Supper, God wants to use you too. And Satan wants to use you and devour you. If you listen to him and stay with him very long, he will devour you. Satan offers you nothing but death and destruction. Nothing. God offers you not only eternal life. He offers you a way through this life. He said, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You cannot simply know him by what you hear or learn from others, right? We must build up our own inner man so that God's spirit in us can guide us by the renewing of our minds, seeking his face, and the denying of ourselves in all matters. Now, that's a process. We're going to continually grow. If Jesus accepted you with your sins at salvation, you know, the answer to when you sin now is repenting pleading the blood of Jesus and asking him to help you not to do it again. Like he did with the woman and had caught in adultery. He, he forgave her. He said, I don't judge you. He said, but he said one more thing. Oh, by the way, don't do it again. <laughs> so he wants us to get out of it. But if you're stuck in a place, folks, the best thing you can do is find a church that believes in the fivefold ministry that, that, that believes that the Holy spirit is working and dwelling and in operation in the body and just sit under that and drink. One of the problems a lot of new Christians run into because they're so enthusiastic and it's so wonderful, and you don't want to ever lose that. You want to you don't want to ever lose that childlikeness. But sometimes as new Christians, we just rush into things. You know, we rush into a burning bill, building. Folks, we make things more complicated than they really are. Let me give you one example. <clears throat> there was a man that was a firefighter, I believe, and he was training people. And people were analyzing all these different techniques and all this. And here was his answer to them. If you see a house burning and someone's losing their livelihood, they're losing their home, I have one simple question. Now, this is the firefighters. Do you know how to take that wet stuff and put it on that red stuff, (laughs) the fire? 
Sometimes, folks, it's not a complicated issue. He said even a wayfaring fool can understand. You and I need to come like children before Jesus. He said such is the kingdom of heaven. Children. Not only children, but their childlikeness. Folks, children are not born racist. They're not born uh, to do wrong and not know it. A child, even a child, knows when they're lying. They know that it's wrong. There's an accountability within us, even at birth, that we know right from wrong. And we have to be taught hate. We have to be taught different things. And if you yield to the flesh, you will fall into those categories. But if you choose him this day, and you'll do that every day, folks. That's a daily thing. We choose him every single day. The disciples didn't have a salvation group card. They had to go in one at a time just like us. And, of course, Judas, as I mentioned, is a prime example. Jesus was teaching his disciples how to take authority and and how to take authority in and outside the boat. And when I say getting out of the boat, I don't mean you you literally physically. I'm just saying that you need to learn to operate in the spiritual realm like Jesus did. Jesus was the same inside and outside the boat in authority. And you and I, too, are supposed to be like that in season and out of season, as I mentioned. Yes, Jesus was disappointed because, and listen to this, this is really important. The one reason why Jesus would be disappointed with them or frustrated is not only because they couldn't seem to know who he was at times. It was because he knew that they could do the same thing he was doing. <clears throat> and, of course, when he left, he told us we'll do greater things than him. So Jesus wanted Peter to be able to walk on the water, not because Jesus, he said, Lord, command me. Well, Jesus has already laid down all the commands, all the instructions we need, and now he's waiting for us to walk on the water. He's waiting for us to lay hands on the sick. He's waiting for us to raise the dead and to resist the devil and that he will flee. He's waiting for us to run, flee from the appearance of evil. And a lot of our young people today, they are raised in the church, but they're not trained, raised up in the church. They just went to church. And when they get out on their own, they just get into all kinds of wild things. They live together, and they know the word, but they live together, but it's not hidden in their heart. When something's hidden in your heart, folks, what that means is when you go to do the wrong thing, that word will come up in you. That word will illuminate in you and say, don't do that. You know better. Conviction will fall. Folks, I can't think of anything much more dangerous than to do the wrong thing as a Christian and not have any conviction, to think you're fine. That's great deception. That's that middle ground of lukewarm. Jesus wants you to be hot or cold. If you're hot or cold, you know you're lost. You know you're saved. But lukewarm, you're deceived. You're halfway in and halfway out. Just because Jesus is in a boat doesn't mean that he is able to use us. We have to make a choice. So this is a little bit, well, we got into a lot of wonderful things that I could just go on and on about uh, that we talked about. I hope you'll check it out. Uh, out of the boat into God's will. Uh, that was this last Sunday morning at 11, approximately 11.15. And I hope you'll check it out. And if you don't mind, even right now, Go to your phones and go to Facebook and go to the hourglass at the top and type in the Pulse Gasaway and scroll down just a short distance. You'll see that message from Sunday morning. I also taught the class that morning at 10, 15 on what we're finishing, what's going to try to finish today. 
to go there and listen to that. And all you have to do is go to the bottom left and hit like, go to the bottom right, hit share, and then it will come up and say, share now, hit that in the blue box. You, that is a ministry. If you would just do that when you listen to these messages and help us to get them out to other people, we sure do appreciate that uh, very much. John Sandy in the house. You did a phenomenal job today. Never got around to the actual. I, I did all that reviewing today. Oh, yeah. There was just so much stuff in there. I'm encouraging people to go check it out because God gave me some wonderful insights. And I give a lot of scriptures to back what I'm saying. Yeah, you do. I give a lot of scriptures. And so uh, next week, uh, we will finish up Spirit, Soul, or Body, Pick Your Destiny, uh, Part 9. We'll pick up with that and finish that up before we head into our new lesson. So I tell you what, John Sandy did a phenomenal job on Sunday, and you need to catch the message. You can catch it on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcast, uh, all over the networks. And he's doing a phenomenal job. So awesome Thank job. You. Thank you so much. Well, don't forget today, if you want to be a blessing to this ministry, it'll be a blessing right back to you. You can text the word PULSE to 1-304-244-3187. You can also go to thepulsechurch.com, give through PayPal. Or mail your love gift to P.O. Box 141, Gasaway, West Virginia, 26624. We pray you have a great day, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow beginning at 8 a.m. for the next edition of The Pulse WV Live. Have a great day, everybody.